Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Ready for the Word today? Come on, are you hungry? You're ready for the Word today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just love you today. We've been talking about revival. We've been talking about revival, God. And I know that whenever we talk about something, especially when we talk about the Holy Spirit, He shows up. You show up, Holy Spirit. And I know you want to show up in our lives and in our hearts in a special way in this age that we're living in, in this time that we're living. Fathers, we said earlier at the end of worship, we give you permission. But Lord, right now we just say it again. Have permission to speak to our hearts, God. This message, Lord, that you gave me, God, it's a defining message of us, Lord, recommitting ourselves, renewing ourselves as we talk about repentance. And Father, I just pray that you would give me an anointing to teach it and preach it. Give us an anointing to hear. Let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit would say. And give us a heart of understanding, I pray. Hallelujah. Jesus name. Amen and amen. Amen. Once you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. Hallelujah. I want to continue talking about what brings revival. This would be the last kind of message in this mini series. We talked about hunger, humility, honor, and then holiness today, which is repentance. This represents the four guys in Luke 5 that brought the man to Jesus. Those are the four things needed for revival. That's how we've been framing this. But I want us to stand. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's read this. John chapter 6. Hallelujah. Give you a little context of what's happening here. Jesus has just fed the multitude with thousands, with thousands of people with bread. He's he's doing miracles. He's healing people, and his congregation is is growing. There's thousands of people following Jesus at this time because he's the man that can heal your body. He's the man that can feed you and bless you. And those are all good. And that's that's part of the package when you get God is the goodness of God. Amen. But Jesus kind of turns the corner right here. And he draws the multitude to a place of decision. And he gives them a very challenging word. So much so that it says it offended the people. And he challenged them. And so I want to, that's the context We pick it up in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Thousands of people are there. He turns around and goes, is this offending you? What what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That's a good verse to know. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Some of you are in the crowd, some of you are here, you've, you've received the food, you've received the blessing, but I know your heart, in your heart of hearts, you don't believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Listen to this verse. Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been given to him by my Father. Wow, what a verse. Saddest verse in the New Testament is John 6, 6, 6. I know. Ooh. <laughs> but it's an easy way to remember this verse. It says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. From that time, many of his disciples went back to their old life and walked with Jesus no more. He turns around and he looks at the twelve. And he says, do you want to go back too? It's funny that Jesus didn't chase them back and go, you know, my bad. I was having a bad day. I, I'm sorry for being a little harsh. I'm sorry for bringing you and talking about holiness and knocking down idols. I'm tired of, you know, I'm sorry for being that way. I'm sorry. Just come on back. He didn't chase them down. He was like, peace. He turned around and he said, what about you? You guys going to leave me too? And it's amazing how fickle we can be as humans, right? He just fed them, he healed them, he opened up their blinded eyes, and he preaches one message and one issue. They will turn their back on someone who's been so faithful for two and a half years. This was two and a half years into his ministry. One issue, you're gone. That's our humanity, isn't it? He looks at the 12 and says, you're going to leave me too. And I love Peter. He's always the first one to speak. Peter has a brother, and Philip is his brother. You know, we never have nothing from his brother, Philip. <laughs> But one little verse. How many have a brother? Don't raise your hand. Amen. It, it does. He's all the, Peter answers the first, but this is powerful. Lord, to where should we go? In the original manuscript, you may have a little uh, asterisk or a number or something there where it says you have, because the original manuscript, Peter says, only you have the words of eternal life. Peter goes, Jesus. Where could we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And I love also, look at that. Also, we have come to believe and know. Two different people. Believe and know. I don't just believe, I know. I know that I know that I know that I don't just believe you'll take care of me. I don't just believe that you are the Son of God. I don't just believe you are the only way. I know that you're going to take care of me. I know that you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living. I know that I know that I know. I got it in my knower that you are the Messiah. Are you here this morning? You are the Son of the living God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to talk to you today about repentance. But I want you to add to that title these words, the point of no return. The point of no return. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell the person next to you before you're seated, Jesus looks good on you. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Repentance. I know we've been using these four ingredients. There's probably more, but for the sake of preaching, we just use these four. Uh, but to give you a more clear definition of, since this is the last message in this little mini-series, we're going to continue to talk. I've got messages about the glory. I want to talk about the glory and the presence of God. 
see what the Lord does with this. But to kind of be clear about what brings revival and to cover these last four messages that we have done. There's one verse of scripture that captures all four. It's a classic in Christianity. You guys know it. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. But look at it now through this lens. It says, if my people who are called by my name, this is God saying, if my people, the Christians, the ones that believe, will do these things. Watch. Number one, humble themselves. That was the week we talked, that was the second week when we knocked down idols. Humble ourselves. And then he said, and pray, because praying and humility go together, right? When we're proud, proud people, when we're proud, we don't ask for nothing. And so when pride, don't pray, right? Humility, pray. So he says, humble yourselves and you'll pray. This is what God is saying. And then secondly, he says, seek my face. That was the first message we preached, right? Hunger. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Remember that? Here, here he's got it right here together. He said, if you would humble yourself and seek my face. How many are seeking God's face? How many seekers we have here? Be a God seeker. Be, be a, a person that is seeking God. You want revival? You want God to show up in a way? Uh, he, we need to seek him. And then he says, and then we're going to talk about this today, and turn from their wicked ways. That's what God says. If they will humble themselves, if they will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayers. I will hear them from heaven. Because he don't hear us when we're pride, when we're full of pride. He says, I will, I, here's the deal. I'm going to hear from heaven. I'll hear your prayers. And I'm going to forgive your sins. That's what happens when we repent. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And I will heal their land. How many believe we need revival in America? This is it. Okay, so what about honor? We left honor out. Well, honor would be the fact that we obey this verse. There's honor. So you have all four ingredients to bring in revival right here in this scripture. Having a hunger, having humility, holiness, which, which is repentance, turning away from our sin. And you've got to have all four, but I would definitely say repentance is the, is the classic. It's the hallmark to revival. You, we can never have revival as a city, as a country, as a church, as an individual. We will never experience revival uh, unless there's repentance. We cannot add Christ without taking away sin. Come on, somebody. You can't add God to our life. You know, some, some of us, we, we, we want to be followers of Christ, and in the mindset of some, we make Christ followers of us, right? We, we want God to follow us and what we want to do. That's not how it works. He says, I, you are to follow me. That's, what repent, that's where repentance comes in. No revival without repentance. Jesus said, I come to take away the sin of the world. But I want you to look at repentance today as a good thing. Change. Everybody say change. Everybody say change is good. Doesn't it? Some of you right now are like needing to reach for some medicine. I know. It's like, I'm one of them. How many struggle with change? Be real. Come on, you're in church. Amen. Okay, rest of you, how many struggle with change? Come on. Amen. All right. Amen. Struggle. How many love change? You're, you're a change. Okay, amen. See the balance? We need both of y'all. And it's almost in relationships too. You like that one goes like this and the, the other spouse will go like that. It's good. We compliment one another. If both of us uh, like change, hold on to your seats, man. It's going to be a wild ride. But if neither one of you like change, boring. I mean, it's a, it, it's a you know, it, it can not be very fun. 
You, you need change. Change is good. Uh, that's what repentance is. So let's define repentance simply by saying what it's not. Repentance. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. It's not just saying I'm sorry. That's apologizing. Repentance is not just being remorseful. That's good to be remorseful. It's good to say I'm sorry. But repentance is not just those things. Repentance goes a little bit further. It means to change. It's two Greek words. I'll give them to you. Metanoia. And it's two words. Repent. Meta means change. Nia, the other word, means mind or to think differently. This is what the word means. It shows up over 20 times in the book of Acts. It was the message of the early church. Peter was preaching on the steps of the, te- of the temple in Jerusalem. 5,000 people were there, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And in, and in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is verse 38, he says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. You see how that works? Repent and be converted. It was the message that Jesus preached, his very first sermon, Mark 1.15. He came into the town preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. That's Mark 1.15. I want you to notice something there, that he says, repent and then believe. Let me give you the biblical definition of, of all of this in one sentence. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which leads to a change of purpose in action. That's repentance. That is what repentance means from the Bible. It is a decision. Everybody say decision. It's a decision that results in a change, a decision in your mind. And I love it right here. Jesus said it first, and the other scripture I quoted out of Acts, I know it's, it's not up there, but you can write it down, where he said, repent and be converted. Jesus here says, repent and believe. Repent is we change our mind, and then believe is where God changed our hearts. We can't change a heart, but you can change your mind. And we are called to do the repenting, to change our mind, to, to say, I'm going to change the way I think about something. When we do that, God says, I'll change your heart. That's the Christian life, right? Because up to the point that we become believers, we do what we feel like doing. We, we our feelings lead our decisions. Hear me, lean in. This is Christian one, living 101. Our feelings lead the way. We, we feel like doing this, then we choose to do it. We feel like watching this, we choose to do it. We feel like telling them this, then we choose to do it. That's how we live before we come to Christ. Spirit-filled and spirit-led living is we are led by the Spirit. Here, here, let me break it down like this. Our decisions lead, our feelings follow. Because some of you say, well, I don't feel it, Pastor Eddie. I don't feel the things that you say. That's okay. Hang in there. Feeling's coming. He says, repent, decide to choose the way you think about something. You do that. You decide from this day forward, that I'm going to give sushi another chance. 
I'm going to give whatever. Have you ever done that? You ever at one time in your life uh, ate something and was like, man, I hate it. For the rest of your life, you just hate it. And someone else says, no, try it. And finally you break down and you try it and you're like, man, that's some good stuff. Because your taste buds change. I'm going to try to set you free right now in Jesus' name. Amen. It does. I was that way with sour cream. We didn't like anything growing up white and creamy. I mean, we just didn't. That's just how we was. And Melinda, and she loved sour cream. And I remember we went to Taco Bell. We'd always get a Mexican pizza. I would get a Mexican pizza and two soft tacos supreme. She'd get supremes. I'd get regular. And that sour cream would be all on it. That nasty white stuff would be all over the all over the thing, man. I was like, I'm down with that. Eat my little pizza, my little mild sauce, you know, with the packets. I love the mild sauce. Put it in my mouth. I love mild sauce, okay? One time our tacos got switched around, and I said, mm, man, this is, this is good. What is it? You put the sauce in, they get some, they get some new sauce, and Melinda's laughing. She said, it's sour cream. You know what I did? I spit it out. <laughs> I hate sour cream. She goes, I caught you. You just said you liked it. So I had to change my mind. And now I love sour cream. I had it on my nachos last night while Michigan was, okay, we, hallelujah. Change your mind, church. Listen, this is serious. Jesus says, I want you to change your mind. Change the way you think. Feelings come. So always listen to that. In, in the kingdom of God, decisions lead our feelings. God is telling you to do something. Obedience. Go ahead and do it. You may not feel it. You may not feel it. Abraham didn't feel it, but he obeyed. Saul was the guy that had to feel it. If Saul didn't feel it, he didn't do it. And he didn't obey the way God said it because he didn't feel like it. Obe- obedience leads the way. This is so important. In Christian living, if you're going to see the glory of God and, and the revival and the presence of God in your life, we got to put the feelings in the back seat when we live our Christian life. Now, let me give you a couple of things about repentance, and then we're going to talk about the application this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Number one, I want you to know repentance is actually a gift. Repent, repentance is a gift. Did you read that verse, first verse that we read where Jesus said, no one, it's in verse 65, no one can come to the Father unless, no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. In other words, you and I just don't pick a day of when we're going to get saved. We just don't say, you know, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to sow my wild oats, you know, and when I get 30 or 40 or 50, uh, 60, whatever that number is, you know, when I get too old to party, when, you know, you know I'm just going to kind of cruise and you know, neutral right now, but, uh, you know, I'm going to really get serious about God when, you know, something like this happens. It doesn't work that way. None of us can come. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And it's actually a gift. We change our mind, but it's actually a gift that God gives us. Now, look, look at the scripture in 2 Timothy. It'll blow, it'll blow your mind. Paul is talking to young Timothy. He says, those who are in opposition, watch this, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. Look at that. If God, if God will perhaps grant them repentance. Why? So that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, that's a heavy scripture. There is a lot in that scripture. But I just want you to see that it is actually a gift from God when we're able to, when, and I believe this takes place whenever we hear the gospel. Right now, as I'm preaching the gospel, God is 
with the Holy Spirit is opening up our understanding and allowing us to understand this topic and subject of repentance. That's why I talk about sour cream and these crazy stories because the Holy Spirit actually uses that. Jesus was a storyteller. He always told parables. Why? Because he said the kingdom of God is hidden in these truths. For those that really want to know the truths, they'll dig into what the, the illustration is. But those that aren't interested, those that ain't hungry, those that aren't, aren't really seeking me, their eyes will glaze over and they'll have dull ears. Jesus said that's why he spoke in parables. But those that want to know the truth will, will dig in there and say, man, I want to know the truth. And when, that, when God opens up our understanding, it is up to us to choose to say, I'm going to respond to this. That's why it's so important that we don't refuse the Holy Spirit whenever he tugs on your heart in a message like this. And it's going to, when the Holy Spirit here in a few minutes, when I tell you what Jesus did here in this chapter, the Holy Spirit is going to pull us again. That's why it's so dangerous that we don't um, ignore the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't push him away, but we be led by the Holy Spirit. Because every time we say no to the con- uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, every time we say no, a veil comes over our hearts, the Bible says. It's like callous on your hands. Your hands begin to get calloused. And over a period of time of, re- of saying no, I mean, you hear a message and you hear a sermon, you hear a podcast, you hear a, even a song. I mean, the Holy Spirit can convict us through anything. And he, he's dealing with us about something. He's dealing with us about this something, about coming and surrendering our life to Christ and and, and you may come to a church like this, and we got a lot of stuff going, and you're coming, and you're invited by a friend, and you, dodgeball, yeah, I love dodgeball, and yeah, I, I love to do this, and you come here, and you start hearing the gospel being preached, like I am right now. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to come into your heart, and begin to prick your heart and say, it's talking to you. I love you, and I got a plan for your life. Surrender your heart to me. How many know what I'm talking about? It's a gentle pull. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is the more we ignore him, he doesn't get louder, he gets quieter. It's not that he gets quieter, actually, to be accurate with the, with, uh, the Bible. We get duller in our hearing so that we're not able to hear him. That's Hebrews. A veil goes over our heart. It's like a callus. You can take a, a pen, something sharp, to a callus, and you can dig in there and you won't even feel it. The Bible calls that a reprobate mind. It really gets scary when it gets into that area when we as human beings begin to play with God and be like, we hear the Holy Spirit. I know I need to do this. I know I need to sell out. I know I need, but I, I just, not now. And every time we push him away and you're closing an invitation, you're closing the door to the Holy Spirit. This is actually the definition of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, all sins will be forgiven except for he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid growing up, I thought if you made fun of the Holy Ghost, that was blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget one time we were in a youth group. We were kids in the basement, and we played uh, um, tic-tac-toe, some kind of a question game. And we had Brother Ralph Sandifer, awesome man of God. He's with, with the Lord now. He was there, and he was using the youth, and we had to do a human tic-tac-toe. There was, you know, nine of us up on the stage, and you had a question. I can't remember all the details, but I remember the answer was the Holy Ghost was the answer. I forget what the question was. Well, I was needing Jesus at seven years old, okay? I was, I was a very, I was Peter, first to talk. You know, I was that guy. And Ralph Sanderford said, how many know the answer? And I jumped up and said, the Holy Ghost, you know, and like, like that. 
And this one kid goes, you just blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And I said, <laughs> I got down on my knees. I thought I committed the abominable sin. Here I am, older than seven. And the first thing that just popped in my mind when I said that is that experience. And I love Ralph Sandifer. He was a lover. He was a grace guy. How many love grace guys? He came up. He said, Eddie, you didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He said, the fact that you were afraid that you did is proof you didn't do it. And at seven years old, I knew exactly what he was saying. What was he saying? As crazy as I was at seven, and it got worse the older I got, I still was able to keep a soft spot in my heart for Jesus. All I want to tell you today is when the Holy Spirit begins to pull in our hearts, let's not get too familiar, like Kavar was talking last week. Let's not get to the place where we push him away. Because that is a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit begins to convict us and bring us to a place of repentance. Somebody say amen. It's a gift. Secondly, it's a process. Everybody say a process. Repentance is a process. It's not an event. It's not something you're going to do right one time and one time only. No, repentance is a process. I love that so many scriptures Luke 9, Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, if you desire to come, if you have hunger and you want to be a follower of mine, this is what's going to have to be required. Let him deny himself. That means his sinful passions. It may feel good. Come on, somebody. Sin feels good for a season. The Bible even says that. But followers of Christ are people that says, I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind, and I'm going to deny myself, take up his cross daily. And follow me. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the grace of God. The life that I do live in the flesh, I live by faith. Yet not I, but the grace of God. He said, I was crucified with Christ. Again, in Galatians, he says, I die to myself daily. Be honest with you, I'm your pastor. I repent daily. I t- every day I say, God, what do I need to change my mind on? What do I need to change? What do I need to turn away from and, and give you more? How many want revival? That's how you get it, right there. What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? To pray this, forgive me of my sins as I forgive others who sin against me. He said pray that every day. It's something that we need to do. It's a process. So if you, feel, if you feel like, well, I've been serving God for six months, man, and I don't have it all together, you're still in the process. It's okay. You're still in the process. Tell the person next to you, it's okay. You're still in the process. Now, let's talk about the application. Let me give you these three points, and then we'll get out your way. Hallelujah. This is how we apply repentance. This is something that's got to be lived out when it comes to changing our mind. Number one, repentance is when we change our mind about sin. This is is big, because how I viewed sin before I came to Christ and how I view sin now is two totally different things. You will begin, when we really begin to repent the way God intended for us to repent, something will happen. We'll soon start to hate the things we used to love, and we'll love the things we used to hate. Remember the book of Jude, he says, those that are safe, snatching them by the fire with fear, snatching them by the fire, hating even the garments stained with sin. You will get to the point when repentance is really working, when we're really uh, working and walking in repentance, you'll start changing your mind about the things that you used to love. Remember that show, that movie back in the day, um, Indiana Jones? Okay, I'm going way back in the 80s. You remember that one? I forget which one it was. He's at the dinner table, and they're at a formal uh, 
you know, real formal place eating, and, and all of a sudden they bring in all these dishes, and they set these plates down, and then they set this one plate down, and they lift it up in front of them, and it's a monkey's head with a skull, and he picks the skull up, and it's his, it's brain, sorry, but it's monkey brains, and she, and the lady with in, Indy just goes, ah, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, he's like, gross, that's sick, how many like monkey brains, okay, I got the right church, it's gross when he saw the monkey brains, right? It's like, ugh. Now, you go to other countries, they eat some stuff. You ever been on a mission trip? Oh, yeah, they eat some stuff. And you just got to sit there and go, hey, thank you, Jesus. I pray and sanctify it in the night. Give me some sour cream. Y'all got some sour cream? <laughs> sour cream may not help the monkey brains. I don't know about that. Point is this. They was like, that is nasty. Let me tell you something. When repentance is when we're walking in true repentance, we'll start to look at our sin like that. The things that we used to love will soon start to hate. What's happening? You're repenting. You're changing the way you look at sin. This is how when you really, really know that you're becoming like Christ, watch this, is when not only your actions are changing, but your desires are changing. Because anybody can, I've been free from drugs and alcohol for 25 years this Saturday. It's awesome. Give God glory. Amen. It's awesome. Here's the thing. I got friends still to this day in the penitentiary that's been locked up for just as long. They haven't touched drugs or alcohol neither, but are they set free? There's a difference between not doing something because it's the law, or because my wife's going to get mad at me, or because Pastor Eddie may ask me in the mentoring session if I viewed anything like that. It's one thing to do that, and that may, that may be like the training wheels when you first get saved. And I believe God uses that stuff, that we have to have the rules. But when you really begin to walk into repentance and begin to have this as a lifestyle, you'll soon start to say, you know what, I don't even like monkey brains. I don't know why I used to have all those videos and those stories and me and the monkey brains because everybody else had the monkey brains and it was all about the monkey brains and, and the Beastie Boys had a new song called Monkey Brains. Whatever, right, the whole world. But when you begin to change, all of a sudden your desires begin to change. And you're like, God, I choose you over the monkey brains. Is anybody here? Paul has this scripture in Romans. And he asked the church this question. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from any obligation of doing right. You did whatever you felt like doing. You was big enough to get turned up, you'd turn up. You big enough to cheat on your taxes, you'd cheat on your taxes. You big enough to cheat on your spouse, you could cheat on, you could do whatever you want when you lived according to your flesh. But now when you're a Christian, and what was the result? He says, you are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal death. Yeah, that's a, that's a, but I love that middle one. Paul said, I'm, I'm ashamed of the things I used to do. That's how you know, hear me, when we're really walking in repentance. We're not just bragging about, man, I used to throw down, I would drink a 40 in like six minutes, dude. And it's, I'm like, uh, do you miss it? God set me free, man. I used to get turned up. I used to do this and I used to do that. Or, 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 you know, I used to work 80, 90 hours a week and make that big bank money. You know, I used to do all of this. And it's almost like when we talk about it, it's not a testimony, it's a bragamony. It's almost like trying to start a new relationship, but all they want to talk about is their ex. 
And Jesus is saying, man, I gave my life for you, and I'm wanting you to follow me. But every time we get together, you're just talking about your ex all the time. And I'm not sure if you're really over them yet. But when we repent, you start changing your mind about sin. You start saying, I don't want to have none. When you really break up with the devil. Remember back in high school when you broke up with somebody, you took that picture and you, that Polaroid. You know that one that you had and then stick in your locker? Or you kept it for dart practice. You gave him back the starter jacket. Might have kept the ring though. Come on, sorry. (laughs) You breaking up. I hate him. He's an idiot. Now we block you on social media. Right? We break up. There's a breaking up. Repentance is when we break up with the devil. Repentance is when we break up with our old life. Not checking in on them in case, you know, this thing don't work out. When I got saved, I went down to my basement. I cleaned my basement out. I got rid of everything in there that would, that would even awaken darkness in me. Even that little stash and that cigar box that I had in the rafters in case this Jesus thing don't work. I got rid of that. Poured it in the toilet. Why? Because I said, God, I want to. I want you to give me a new heart. I, I, I'm going to change my mind. I can't change my heart, but I'll change my mind. And when we change our mind, God begins to change our heart. Is anybody with me? And it's a process because, listen, those desires can come back. The whole problem with Israel is God got them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. For nothing, he couldn't get Egypt out of them. Every time they got a hard time, they'd say, well, it was better back in Egypt. Moses was like, you were a slave, dude. You were a slave. Don't you realize what you were doing? And, and, and the enemy tries to paint a big picture of how it was before we come to Christ. That's what got all of these in verse 666. You're standing in front, 10 feet away from the Messiah, God of the universe, incarnate in the flesh, walking on water, raising Lazarus from the dead, touching lepers, open up blinded eyes, and he preaches one message that hits us in the heart, and they're like, I'm out. It's in your Bible. That's exactly what's happening right here. Repentance is when we're like, man, I'm changing, changing the way I think about sin. I'm changing the way I think about sin. You need to pray that God would take even the desire from sin. And he can do that. I used to love my sin, have a taste for it, would think about it. And the Lord began to show me repentance is when you throw those, those thoughts down. And it was hard at first. And, but as I re-changed my thinking, the heart began to change. I want to minister to you today. It's a process. Well, I changed, you know, it's been six months. It took me two years. Personally, my story. My story is different than everybody else's. You got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But for me, I could not even go into a liquor store. That was me. I could not even go into the city because there was a soul tie to me. That, that, that's another whole message for another whole time. That was my journey. I, you had to be careful. I had to, I had to do that kind of thing with the rules at first. And then my heart began to change. Now I'll walk right back. I can walk right into a liquor store. I can walk right into a crack house. I can walk right into a dope house. I can walk right into any house you want to. And though I walk right in the middle, I got something greater on the inside of me. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I said, devil, what you got? You ain't ain't got nothing for me you ain't got nothing for me because i died to that and now i'm alive to him and he's able to keep that which is committed unto me and that good work he began i said that good work he began 
5th, November the 5th, 1997. He said, I'm going to perfect it in you. I'm going to perfect it. You just got to keep going. If you don't quit, you'll win. Just keep going. Just keep going. That's it. He does it all. All we got to do is say, I'm following you, Jesus. I'm following you, Jesus. Following you, Jesus. I tell newlyweds, when you get saved, you know, the wedding's beautiful and awesome and fun, and everybody's like, yeah, we're married. Six weeks later, how's it going, brother? Man. All the married people just look right at me and say, I love sour cream. Come on, just look right at me right now. You know what? You just stay committed, though. Those feelings will follow. <laughs> okay, let's go. Amber, I hear you laughing. Amen. Not only when your actions change, but your desires. Hallelujah. Secondly, I've got to keep going. Repentance is when we change our mind about sin and, number two, about ourselves. Repentance. And here, here's the thing. Let me minister some grace to you right here because this, I think, holds us back because many of us are afraid to repent because we're afraid to admit. We're afraid what other people are going to think about us. And so the shame thing keeps us from coming clean. Because I noticed it's totally different. Being a pastor, unfortunately, I've had to deal with this more than once where there's been someone that have stepped out of their marriage covenant. It's not fun. It's not easy. But I will tell you this. I've noticed it's a huge difference between somebody who got caught and somebody who come clean. I'll just say that. I have seen people get caught and come clean, but it seems to be a harder process than someone who says, I know what I did was wrong. I did it. I own it. And I know it's hard to come to the Lord and and to confess our sin and and to do that because we feel bad about ourselves. And the enemy is so good in making us feel bad. That thing about conviction that I've been talking about today, it's a world of difference between conviction and condemnation. The enemy will get us condemned. And I know how that condemnation is. I tell some of these stories this time of year because it goes back to when I got saved 25 years ago. So forgive me if you've heard these, but there's times when I've been out partying all night. I share a lot of these at Life Challenge. I don't share a lot of them here, but that's my story. But I remember getting home and so filled with shame, crawling in the back seat of my car and not getting into the house where my wife and two girls were waiting on me because I've been out all weekend. I know that shame that sin will leave. It's that shame in John 8 with a woman caught in adultery and the Pharisees, the religious people. See, religious people are harder on other people but easy on themselves. But people who have relationship with God, they're hard on themselves but easy with other people. And the Pharisees were quick to get this woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act, brought her to Jesus and said, the law says to stone her. She, she violated, she broke the law. We know that wonderful story. Jesus says, you without sin, cast your first stone. Cast your first stone. They all had rocks in their hand. One by one, you heard, thump, 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 thump. The Bible says something funny. The oldest to the youngest begin to drop their rocks. Hmm, there's something in that. Maybe I'll come back to that. They dropped their rocks and said, you're right, Jesus. And they walked away. But I love what Jesus did. Jesus got down into the dirt 
the Bible says he went down to her and he says, woman, where are those that are condemning you? Can you see her with her hair matted down? I mean, she had a rough morning. Read the story. Dragged her out of the tent, pulled her into the church. She wasn't ready to go to church. She was sleeping in that day, big time. They come and got her, brought her in. She didn't have no makeup on. She wasn't looking her best. She was not Instagram ready at all. She was caught right in the act, probably didn't have no clothes, but a sheet wrapped around her, and he's gonna, they're going to bring her right in the church all the way down and throw her right at Jesus' feet, and was like, boom. And I love what Jesus did. He got down with her, and he said, where are those that condemn you? She looked through that sweaty hair that was matted on her head, and she looked, and they were all gone. She says, I see no one. And then from heaven, hear this for yourself, neither do I condemn you. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? God of heaven, creator of the universe said, neither do I condemn you. And the Bible says he grabbed her by her hands and they both stood up. So he was down on the ground. But then he said, go and leave that life of sin. Someone say repentance. Leave that life of sin. And she went on. So our shame sometimes will, will keep us from, from repenting. Our shame and our guilt. And I just want you to know that the Lord will not condemn us when we come to him with repentance, no matter what we have done. First time, you, sometimes you've got to forgive yourself before you even forgive others. We all know that. It's a, it's a hard thing you've got to do. One of the ways you do that, and this is real repentance, is when we just own our sin. You see this in the prodigal son in Luke 15. The Bible says, but when he came to himself. Doesn't that sound familiar? Didn't we just read that scripture that Paul said? Remember, perhaps God will grant them repentance so they can know the truth and what? Come to their senses. You see that God granted repentance to this man. He was in the pig pen. And it says, when he came to himself, God opened his understanding and was like, come on, please don't pass me up this time. Please don't continue in the pig pen. Please don't continue to just be there. Please, come on, come back to the house. Come back to the Father's house. Come on, come back to being sold out the 100%. Get rid of that stuff in your life. Come on, come out of the pig pen. Come back home because it's better in your Father's house. If you've got a prodigal son or a daughter or a mom or a dad, this is what you need to be praying a brother, a sister, this is what you pray. God, let them come to their senses. Give them repentance. Oh, God, give them repentance. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, give them repentance right now. If you know someone in your family, just call their name. Father, give them repentance even right now on this Sunday in October. Father, we pray that you come knocking on their door one more time and grant them repentance. Father, open their understanding. Let them come to their senses today. In Jesus' name. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have it better than I do? And here I am, I'm perishing with hunger. I will arise. Everybody say choice. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father's house. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody right now. Either online or right here. And you're saying, and you're, he ain't talking to me, he's talking to you. Holy Ghost is talking to you. I will arise, and I'm going to come back to my father's house. 
And I love this. He says the three words that is so hard for us to say. I have sinned. Against heaven and against you. Watch this. And I'm no longer worthy to be called even your son. Even though he was his son, he said, I don't deserve it. Make me like one of your hired servants. Can you see this man? He was about 17 years old. And this isn't just a parable because Jesus said there was a certain man. He didn't say the kingdom of God is like. That's a parable. He said there was a certain man who had two sons. And he wanted the inheritance. You guys know the story. If not, it's in Luke 15. Read it. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And he said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm going to leave the pig pen. But I love it. He says, I alone have sinned. He didn't say, it's because you were too hard on me, Dad. It wasn't, it wasn't because I was raised here. It wasn't because this happened to me. It wasn't because I was broke. It wasn't because all of that is a factor. And yes, but he says, I'm not using no more excuses. I'm changing my mind about how I look at myself. I'm not worthy. I have sinned. I own it. I'm not worthy. Please forgive me, God. That's repentance. And be honest with you, the, the best prayer times I have Listen to your pastor, is when God don't remember my sins, meaning he don't hold them against me, but I do. And when I sit, I love what um, William Booth said, founder of Salvation Army, the best place I can be is at the foot of the cross, weeping over my sins. Those are the most intimate times I have is when I say, God, I know you've forgiven me. And I'm not going to bring them back up because they're under the blood, but I remember. Kind of like David said, I remember where you found me. Come on. Sometimes I go for a drive. I just did this a month ago. I went over to E-Course. I went down those streets where I stood and had gang fights in front of the windows that were busted because they were shooting at us. And I go down Jefferson, and I go back in the old neighborhood, Ladon, where we used to hang out and run those streets and down the alleys. I didn't go all the way down. I didn't want to get a flat tire. Hallelujah. I remember getting out, walking, thinking, this is where it was. Why do I do that? You don't have to do that. That's my story. Whatever you got to do, though, get to the place where you don't allow yourself to get that pride thing going. And you realize, man, where you would be without Jesus. Change our mind about ourselves. Lastly, this is the main part of it. This is the right hook of the message. And I'm going to close with this. Worship team, get ready. Please listen to this. Please lean in. This is the point of the whole message right here. Because every believer has to get to John 6. Sooner or later, everybody listening to me right now on YouTube, however you're watching this service, you will have to do a John 6. Jesus is teaching. He's giving bread. He's doing miracles. Then he teaches a hard sermon. The crowds leave him. He went from 5,000 to 12 in one sermon. 5,000 to 12 in one sermon in one day. That's a bad day. Church growth statistics would be, that's awful, ain't it, Nick? That's awful. Lost the whole crew. Ain't nobody going to be helping nothing. Jesus turns around and says to us 12, are you going to go back to your old life too? Are you going to go back to your old life too? This is what every believer is going to come to this decision. And I'll be honest with you, you'll come to it more than once. And Peter says these words. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? We've left everything. There's nothing to go back to. 
only you. And that's the word that you've got to get into your spirit. Come to the place when you realize repentance is when you change the way you think about Jesus. He's not the guy that's there to just fix our marriage. He's not the guy that just give us some bread. He's not the guy that's just going to heal us. He's not the guy that's going to make us better. He's got, we got to get to the place. Repentance is when we get to the place where we see Jesus as Lord and Savior and not deliverer and healer, although those are part of it. But Jesus, if you don't do another thing, I'm not going back to my old life. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Repentance is when we choose Jesus over our sin. When we choose Jesus over our old life. That's repentance. The other guys, they believed. They believed. They might have had an experience. Judas heard this part and was like, it was only a little while later, he disappeared. After even hearing this, after even hearing this, Peter struggled, but Peter came back. Why? Because Peter said, I'm going to choose Jesus over my old life. Repentance is when you choose Jesus over your old life. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. You're in this multitude right now. Those of you online, you're with me too. Those of you in person, you are in John chapter 6 right now. And Jesus just healed you. He's just blessed you. He's given you joy. Some of you, he's restored all kind of things in your life since you've been coming to the Lord, since you've been coming to church and you've been living this, you've been seeing it. But what happens in those seasons when you don't feel God, when you don't see God, when he has a sermon like this and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. They didn't understand when he said, what happens when you go to a season of under, when you don't understand? And you see the multitudes walk away. They saw 5,000 people walk away. What do you do when your mom walks away from the faith? Your dad walks away, your brother, your sister, a pastor. Maybe you were from another church and that whole pastor and leadership fell away. Don't even serve God. I got Royal Ranger commanders and Sunday school teachers that are not even living for the Lord right now. One of them is on drugs real bad. And that shakes your faith. When I first got saved, I heard about that. And through the years, it's happened. And I would love to tell you that all the pastors at River of Life and all of everybody in this building is going to be here until the second coming of the Lord. But if the statistics are right, one in eight of you are not going to be here in two years. People on your row, there's seven chairs in every row. One of you on the row and will not follow the Lord if we if we would follow the statistics. That's what I look at. How many Peters we got? It says, Lord, though none go with you, yet I will follow. If my mama don't go, won't hinder me. Come on, remember that old song? If my daddy don't go, won't hinder me. If my brother don't go, won't hinder me. If my sister don't go, won't hinder me. Though none go with you, Lord, yet I will follow you, Jesus. Where else can I go? Only you have what I need. Only you have what I what I need. I may want other things, but only you is 
what I need. Come on, if that's you in this place. I'm going to open up these aisles. I'm gonna, I don't know how you need to respond to this today. But I'm going to open up these altars. You need to recommit. You need to re- answer this message. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. And you need to commit your life to the Lord today. Won't you stand to your feet? We're going to open up these altars. We're going to sing this song. We want revival. Yes, we do. But man, it, it comes from this decision whether you feel it or not about you need Jesus you respond in your seat respond in your aisles respond in the altars call these I want you to respond those of you at home come on respond to this to the Lord today and say I choose Jesus over my own life the point of no return how many is willing to go to the point of no return if that's you I want you to respond right now in your heart in your life right now come out of your seat if you want to that's fine but do it in your heart today you choose Jesus over your old life I choose Jesus over my old life I choose Jesus over my old life come on that's repentance that's what repentance Lord grant us repentance in this place Grant us repentance in this place. Grant us repentance, O God. Come on. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.